0: Welcome, everybody, to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by thehockeythinktank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. We do not have a guest. It's just going to be my main man, Jeff Lavecchio, and myself and we are going to talk about the five keys to getting scouted and recruited. So we're going to take you inside the recruiting process, particularly from a college coach's point of view. And uh yeah, I think this is going to be uh, really interesting. A lot of the questions that I get is, you know, how do I get myself on the radar? How do I get myself on the map? You know, what's People just want to be understand what what the process is like to getting scouted to junior hockey or getting recruited to college hockey, potentially getting scouted to play pro hockey and stuff. So we're going to take you inside of that process. Before we do, let's bring on the talent of the podcast, Jeffrey J. Who, the Vecchio Vex. What's up today, my man?
1: You know that feeling the night before Christmas when you're like nine years old? Uh, yes. Or when you're like 38 years old, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially if your name is Sean Muncie. yeah. And you're 38. <laughs> What's up, months. Um, I have that feeling right now, bro. Uh, my home gym is nearing completion. I think it's about ten, seven to ten days from being operational to where I want it to be to start filming and to start training down there for real and to be able to do everything that I like to do in the gym. And, uh, it's been, it's been a, a, a long process. It's been a goal of mine for a very long time to have a legit, legit home setup. And it's going to allow me to better serve all of my clients that train with me online from pros, college juniors, teams, organizations, everybody. And it's almost there. It's almost finished. I'm super, super proud. It's, it's, taken a very long time to get to this point. And uh, man, I'm that I'm that kid night before Christmas about to fall asleep. Smell those fresh baked cookies that mom's making for Santa. And the, the I put the carrots out for the reindeer, all that stuff. I'm almost there. And I'm just I couldn't be more excited, bro.
0: There you go. Well, I, I feel I feel a little honored because I got the FaceTime tour earlier today. And yeah, dude, that looks so nasty. That like black turf and stuff. Like yeah oh guys you got if you follow me on the gram check it out uh, there'll be there'll be more and more on there. Did you film yourself putting up that time clock underneath your TV because if you didn't that's a that's a shame to society because I would have <laughs> loved to see you with tools in your hand oh, doing something like that.
1: Oh, oh buddy so last night uh, it said that this one piece of equipment, uh, um, a back extension should take 30 minutes to put together. And I put it together. No, but I put it together in 30 minutes. It was, it was hilariously easy, but I was so nervous. I was going to pay somebody to do it guys. I'm not handy. Uh, I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm not. I'm not good at putting stuff together or anything like that. And so like, I'm just like, my MO is I'll just work twice as hard and pay somebody to do those things. Well, I, I took the challenge. I was like, Jeff, be a man. You're a homeowner. You know, you got a couple gyms now. Like, let's go. I did it. Got a little cocky. I was like, okay, I'll put the calf raise machine together today. That one says it's supposed to be like 90 minutes. And it took me three hours. <laughs> <laughs> those but... calves, you
0: just cannot get past those calves.
1: Oh, yeah. I already sent Jan Stasny and Paul Stasny and Don a video. And I said, look, I bought this machine strictly because of you three chirping me all growing up. And you know, I'll <laughs> see you in a year, boys. I'll <laughs> see you in a year.
0: But, anyways i'm excited for this podcast me too i'm excited for this podcast too and uh i'm coming off uh, a pretty pretty busy week i was out in columbus for uh doing some work with uh, the ohio triple a blue jackets and uh a person that we've had a program oh unbelievable program great program Uh, brought me out there and Eddie Ginger, who is what I think one of the top hockey directors in the country. This guy's unbelievable. And, um, so yeah, had was out there, did a bunch of stuff with, with the players and and the coaches out there, got to see Adam Fantilli a couple days before he made his pro debut. And so Mm -hmm. it was really cool to, uh, to see him. And uh, he actually came in and, and spoke to one of the teams as well. What a guy. What a guy. This That's was, so cool, man. Yeah. Two days before his debut, I think I want to say. And so oh. obviously he gets a point in his first game. So <laughs> um, that was pretty cool. Also, uh, Mackie Samaskevich, uh, another guy that played at Michigan last year, made his NHL debut uh, last night for the Florida Panthers. So, uh, congrats to Mackie as well. Just two awesome dudes, man. So really, really, really happy for them, uh, making their NHL debuts. And yeah, it was, it was just a, a fun couple of days action packed, but now back here in Chicago, doing a podcast, getting ready to educate some people on how to get recruited. Ready?
1: I am. But let me ask one question real quick first. Ooh. Was Fantilli already scheduled to go there? Or did he go and talk because you were there and you asked him to, or how did that come about?
0: Uh, yeah, no, I, I just, uh, you know, I was like, Hey, you want to meet up? Um, Just cause he was there and, and I was at their practice rink, you know, doing some stuff with one of the teams that was there. And so I was like, Hey, you want to meet up? And he was like, yeah, do you want me to come in and say a few things to the kids? And I was like, yeah. And so no way. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. I'm an instant fan
1: of his, I'm an instant fan of his because he did that. Like, Man, that is so cool. I love that. Any any young players listen to this, give back any chance you can when you get older. And I don't care if that means, you know, taking a little time out of your day right there. He's he's meeting with Toph. He goes in and talks to some kids. You have no idea how impactful that could be for those kids. Like that is that is so cool. And this is something that I I harp on with all of my clients in the summer any of the older guys talking to my younger guys I make them um and and I want them getting comfortable doing that but to any older players listening or any coaches please instill this in your players to give back to speak to the younger players to you know talk to them to hop on the ice with a younger team. If you're a midget player, hop on the ice with, you know, the 12 use or the 10 use or the 13 use and, and, and be that role model for them. And, and, you know, it, it'll, it'll impact them more than, than you could ever possibly know. And I know this is something that TOEF, uh used to institute, um, when he was running a A organization in Syracuse, and I just, I just think that it's, it's what hockey's about, and we need to get back to that. So, Adam Fantilli, I know you're not listening to this podcast, but you got a huge fan of me, bro.
0: Who says he's? Not? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> um, no, it's awesome. Yeah, it was, it was really cool, and yeah, obviously the players were pretty stoked when uh, when he came in there, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Columbus does this year. They had a ton of injuries last year, um, and so. They, they have some talent. It'll be interesting to see how good they do.
1: One of my guys uh, had a good fight for them, uh, Josh Dunn, in the preseason. He fought Nick Ritchie um, here in St. Louis. Of course, I was out of town or else I would have been at the game, but he did a good job too. So Nick That's Richie's
0: awesome. no slouch when it comes to fighting either. That's <laughs> I nice know. Tough. He's a big dude. <laughs> Um, okay, cool. Well, we are gonna get over to this, but first we have some people to thank. Want to thank our title sponsor, gel sticks. Go to GELSTX.com. And if you use the coupon code think tank one word, you can get a discount on weighted training sticks. Uh, these are used by People at all levels from the NHL down to college, the national development team, and uh, junior programs, youth programs. Jeff uses them in the gym with the guys and the girls. Like It's a fantastic product. Go to gelsticks.com today, G-E-L-S-T-X.com, and get your way to training sticks. Vex? I would like to thank
1: Train Heroic. Uh, Train Heroic has changed my life. It's allowed me to work with so many people around the world, whether that's athletes, non-athletes, teams, organizations. I had another team just sign up um, this week for the rest of the season, Jason McPherson, Absolute Beauty. His team worked with me last year as well online. I'm working with 16 teams right now online. Division I, uh, Division three, juniors, uh, female AAA organization, male AAA organization, ACHA teams, uh, AAA teams, AA teams, and A-team. Um, If there's any teams out there that are looking for quality online training at a very, very affordable price and some other mentorship things that I also offer with every team, please reach out to me. All right. Um, Can't say thank you enough to train Heroic for making this all possible for me. I also want to say thank you to Cure Nutrition. Cure Nutrition is a CBD company that I'm with. Um, I use their products twice a day, every single day. Helps keep my brain strong, my body going. I work a lot. I work a physically demanding job. I work very hard and it allows me to stay at the levels that I need to be at to function doing all the things that I do in my daily life. So if you ever have any questions about CBD, how to use it, all that type of stuff, please don't be afraid to reach out to me. I would love to help you with that stuff or go to curednutrition.com and use my discount code GMBM.
0: Awesome, man. And thank you to Helios Hockey as well. Helios Hockey is an unbelievable product. It's a sensor that you put into your shoulder pads. And with that, it will give you instant feedback on your play. Most notably, it will give you feedback on your stride and your stride mechanics. It will also give you what they call a hustle score, which can tell you how much you're hustling on the ice based upon the the workload that you're putting in there. And then one of the incredible things that it does, too, is it links up with whoever is doing your video, whether that's Live Barn or whether you have somebody doing it on, on an iPad or a camera or something like that. And it cuts up your shifts for you instantly after the game. No fast forwarding, no rewinding, anything like that. You have your shifts ready there for you after the game to look at, which is such a value add. It is unbelievable, right, Vex? Like, this is insane.
1: Game change. Game change. The number one thing all of you guys should be doing if you want to get better is is watching your shifts and taking notes. So
0: unbelievable
1: that it clips everything for you.
0: Totally, totally. So go to HeliosHockey.com and they were nice enough to give our Hockey Think Tank listeners a little bit of a discount. So the discount code is think tank one word Go to HeliosHockey.com and use the coupon code think tank one word and it will give new Helios members 20% off their initial 12-month membership and they will include the sensor in your shoulder pads for free. So awesome, awesome, awesome stuff. And we also want to thank icehockeysystems.com. These guys are the best. Thank you to ice for sponsoring our podcast and go there. And we have teamed up with them to do an associations platform where you can get this for every single coach within your organization. Not only the coaches though, you can get this for all the parents as well because they have access to the hockey think tank parent survival guide. And so there are thousands of drills on there where you can go in to see and, and steal from there are whiteboard explanations on systems and structures and player development from really, really high level hockey people uh, with, this associations tab. Also, you get the ability to share drills with other people in your organization, file them different age appropriate drills and things like that. So uh just a phenomenal, 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 um, you know, resource for, for all coaches out there, all hockey directors out there as well. And Vex, like, it's amazing. I don't know about you, but the amount of people that have come up to me saying they either purchased IHS or Helios, they're like, this is a game changer, guys, like absolute game changer. And they are unbelievable products. We would not be supporting them if we didn't believe in them this much. So, yeah, just unreal. A hundred percent. Guys, if you hear us talking about anything
1: ever on our podcast, like we they told us that we could start taking ads like like normal podcasts, take ads around like ten thousand we didn't take it until like a hundred thousand downloads. Like we literally will only talk about things that we truly believe in—people, companies, and products or services that like we believe in, we use, um, and we know to be true. So, just want to always throw that out there because we would never tell you guys. Uh, uh or or accept anybody on our podcast as a sponsor unless it was something that we actually believed in and so those both of those two companies are are unbelievable and we truly believe that they will
0: help you level up absolutely absolutely so with that thank you also to all of our amazing listeners we love you guys so much thank you so much for supporting our show uh, if you can continue to support us by sharing us with your groups by putting us on social media leaving us ratings and reviews and all things like that it just goes a long way to helping us spread the message of positivity in the hockey world and and providing a little bit of insight and education for um for anything and everything positive in hockey so we really appreciate your support Port and with that vex you ready to go here Hi. okay so i uh, i apologize before we start to our beautiful podcast producer steph who is with her son in blaine minnesota this weekend because joe's internet isn't doing so well today it's storming here in in the north side of chicago and so we've been kind of going in and out so we're gonna have to slice and dice a little bit the internet so uh steph uh if if you guys as listeners uh, would be so kind. Her email is steph at tank.com. Shoot her a note and just say thank you for being the best because she's gonna <laughs> have a lot of work <laughs> the to best. do this episode too. <laughs> Not only is she the best, but she's going to have a lot of work to do on this one. But um, yeah, you ready to go? Five keys to getting scouted and recruited, Vex? Let's go. Okay, so I'm going to start this off by giving a little bit of an introduction. And the introduction is basically going to be there's five, obviously, keys to getting recruited. And the first one is be a good hockey player and get better. (laughs) I am not, you know, so many people like to focus on the things outside of your control as it relates to getting scouted and recruited and being put on people's radars. At the end of the day, like you want to be on somebody's radar, get better, be a good hockey player, be a good person, have good character. Like the first thing to focus on is yourself and, and, uh, and your development, right? So that's the first key we talk about. The second key, understand that it's a marathon and it's not a sprint. We live in a world of instant gratification and comparative culture because of social media. Don't compare yourself to the next person because usually when we compare ourselves, it's to the early mature, you know, who gets the results right away. No, like don't like, understand that this thing is a marathon and we'll give you some stats and some things to back that up to. Uh, number three, I'm going to take you inside what the scouting and recruiting process looks like, particularly from a college coach's point of view and how we see the, the process. Uh, the fourth thing is we're actually going to talk about what scouts look for in a player as they're watching on the ice. And then lastly, one of the biggest questions that I get is like, should we be reaching out to teams? you know, what can we do proactively to try and get ourselves on on people's radars? So um, those are going to be the things that we'll talk about here today. And I'm really, really excited for that. So the first thing we are going to talk about, the most important thing that we're going to talk about is focusing on what you can control and putting a huge emphasis on your development and becoming a better hockey player in person. What I... It's the first thing I always talk about when people ask me these questions. Is like, I never recruited a player at the college level that wasn't really good at hockey and wasn't a really good person, you know? So you can have the best advisors, you can have the best plans, you can have the best yada, 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 yada. At the end of the day, you got to be good, you know? And so leading with that is the most important thing. Focus on the things that you can control, right? I can't emphasize this enough. What Tope said right there,
1: that little phrase, control what you can control it's so massively effing important. I look back to when I was playing junior hockey and I was trying to get a scholarship or or just trying to get a college team to want me. Um, And I focused on so many things that were out of my control that uh, took up tons of energy, tons of brain power. um, And probably hurt my play because I was always like thinking about these other things that like I had zero control over, which then would give me anxiety and nerves and all these things. And so Tope's saying the first thing you got to do is be the best player, best person, best teammate uh, that you can be. And you do that by controlling the things you can control, being on time, being a good teammate, energy, effort, studying the game, training, nutrition, recovery, if you just focus on being the best you can be and the way that you become the best you can be is by controlling the things that are in your control. If you just focus on that, you are 100% getting closer and closer every day to that goal that we're talking about today of getting recruited to
0: play college hockey. There you go. Love it. And I, I want to add to that too, because like, how do you get better? Obviously, you just stated a lot of the things of, of what you can do. Outside of the rink, inside of the rink to get better, but I'm going to take it a step further. Number one is you have to surround yourself with good people. You have to surround yourself with good people, great friends. (laughs) Obviously you want to be on a team with great teammates. Like when, when people ask me specifically parents, like what they should do for their kid and what team they should play on. The answer is simple. Who's the coach? Who's the coach surround yourself with a your surround your kid with a really, really good coach that's going to care about their development and care about them as a person. I think that's the most important thing. Um, Also, like consistent preparation equals consistent habits. What are you doing when nobody's looking like if you want to get a competitive advantage against the let's just call it all the other kids that are competing against you for these spots on these junior teams or these college programs outwork them. Like outwork them and you can outwork them by being consistent. And And I think there's like a fallacy when people talk about hard work, because like when people talk about hard work, it's always about like going 100% or going 110%. For me, hard work is about consistency. Are you doing the things necessary every single day? That's going to like if you do things every single day at 95% versus going 100% once a week, like do it. You got to do it every, you can't get hundred percent better in a day. So like consistent preparation, what are you doing when nobody's looking? That is what's going to be your competitive advantage with uh, like against all the people who are competing for the same spots as you. And like, that's just so massively important. Control what you control, control your attitude, control your effort, control how you compete or how you treat people. Like those are the things that are going to get you there at the end of the day. Because like I said, like I never recruited a kid that was bad at hockey. I never recruited a kid that had bad character. What are you doing to make sure that those are developing?
1: Oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. It's, it's, guys, it's, it's so important to just do everything you can to maximize your abilities in all of the different areas that make up a good player. You know, your nutrition, uh, your recovery, your mindset approach, self talk, all things abundant in that. Obviously, hockey, um, off ice training, strength, prehab, mobility, explosiveness, speed, all of that stuff. Like, just do everything you can in each of those categories, and you're going in the right direction. And just believe it. Believe it. Literally, one of my guys, one of my clients who I've had since he was either 15 or 15 years old, not the best player at any level he's been not any level he's not been the best player and every day all this kid did is literally just grind. one of the hardest workers i've ever trained ever out of the thousands and thousands of athletes i've trained in all different sports including pro athletes putting his work ethic up against theirs He is one of the top three hardest workers I have ever seen. He's also been a leader on all these teams because he's such a good person and works hard. And he just committed and got a scholarship to Robert Morris Division One.
0: Nice. Um,
1: Called me two nights ago. He was tearing up on the phone. I'm tearing up on the phone. His sister is in the middle of a battle against cancer right now. Like, this guy just works so damn hard. And literally, I've preached to him since he was 14 or 15 years old. Like, just keep every day just win every day, win every day. And that's how he's approached the last, you know, four or five years. And, you know, he got the cookie. He got, he got that scholarship. Um, he's going to be going there next year. And it's literally all because all he did was just maximize his own abilities. And we always just kept focusing on, don't look at the noise around you guys. When you do this, it is, it, it will change everything for you.
0: Yeah, for sure. And at the end of the day, why do you play hockey? Like, what's your, why? Like If I ask any single player, and, and I do when I do my team building, and specifically with college teams, <laughs> I'm like, what's your why? Why do you play hockey? And it's always the same answer. Well, it's because I love it. It's because it's fun. Focus on that. Don't focus on the result at the end of the rainbow, the scholarship or the draft pick or whatever it may be. You focus on you and you focus on doing what you love to do. You're going to put yourself in a much better position to get the most out of your ability and maximize your potential because you're doing what you love to do. You're not doing it because you have to get the scholarship or you have to get drafted or whatever. And I've been around a lot of high level athletes with a lot of anxiety. And a lot of it is because of they are results oriented and not process oriented. And when you focus on why you do it and and the process of getting better and the process of just doing what you love to do, not only are you going to be a better player, but your mental health and your actual enjoyment of the game is going to be so much more too, right? So I just think focus on the things that you can control. It's what Vex and I have been preaching here for the last 10 minutes or so. And um, it just goes a long way to, you know, getting to where you want to get to. It's not like, it's not the result. It's, it's the process that matters. Truth. Truth. Um, okay. Anything to add to that one? You ready to move on to the next one? Okay, cool. So the next thing I want to talk about is if you want to play at a high level hockey and just in general, like when we're talking about development, it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. I just said it like, you cannot get 100% better in one day. You can get 0.1% or 1% better in a day, however you want to look at it. You get the point. Um, and so I, I want to like just talk about a few numbers that I think are really important to talk about, just some some hard facts, some data, uh, as it relates to particularly the the college recruiting process. So I think what a lot of people don't understand is like hockey's a little bit different in that the average age of a college commit is 18 and the average age of a college freshman is almost 20 years old, you know? And so there's a much bigger runway for college hockey players than particularly other sports, because if you want to play college hockey and it's not just at the division one level, if it's at the division three level and a lot of times at the club hockey level too, for like ACHA division one club, um, you're going in at 20 or you're going in potentially at, at 21, right? And so I think it's important to understand that because it's just more evidence, let's call it, that you can take your time. Like, you don't have to have it all figured out <laughs> at, at 12 because you have a much longer runway than potentially other sports, which I think is great. Um, some parents, like when we talk about this, like, ah, well, you know, like junior hockey, I don't know. I don't want, I don't know if I want my kid to go to junior hockey. Like they're going to be out of school for a year or two. And I don't know if I like that here, here's what I will tell you. And, and I have this conversation with a lot of different parents just to kind of like bring light to the process. A kid going in to college at 20 is so much more mature than a kid going to college at 18 from a life standpoint. And so like, um, I actually think that having a couple years to like live away from home, having a couple years to to own what you do and have a little bit more personal responsibility for things, it like prepares kids for college so much more. And I'm like saying this from experience, right? Like having coached eighteen year old true college freshmen and like kids that come in at twenty two. um so I, there there's a bigger runway. There's a maturity factor, like, and so I, I actually think it's it's good also like if you want to play college hockey at the Division 1 or Division 3 level and you go in at 20 you could potentially still take classes in those two gap years where you're playing junior hockey and transfer in credits <laughs> to and take a bunch of the gen ed courses to transfer in so now if you need 120 credits to graduate in the four years you don't need to take 120 credits you you only have to take 100 and so that's going to give you a better work-life balance because it's one less class a semester as you're going through the process, too. And so, like, marathon, not a sprint, the numbers, right? Average age of a college commit is 18. Average age of a college freshman is between 19 and 20, closer to 20. Like, those are just hard data facts.
1: And I've had that conversation with parents, too, you know, and it's it's just, I think they're looking at the the equation just, like, a little bit differently you know, like Toph said, the average age of incoming freshmen to play NCAA hockey is is around 20 years old. You know, I was a 20 year old freshman. Toph was a 19 year old freshman. Like that is more the norm. That is the norm, not going in at 18. So, you know, school will always be there. You know, it will always be there. They could be a freshman at 35. They could be a freshman at 40. They're not going to be able to play hockey or play juniors. <laughs>
0: I don't think so. <laughs> They're yeah,
1: not going to be able to play going. juniors at all. <laughs> well, you, but you could go to college at 40 and start then and roll then. Like You know what I'm saying? So school will always be there, but hockey won't be. And the chance to play college hockey won't be. And also the life lessons that come with your son going 100% all in on their goals, hopes, and dreams. By them doing that and you being able to shepherd them through that time of, okay, you've got two years or maybe three years to play junior hockey and try to make this a reality, try to play college hockey. Um, Them going through that process, literally, I am successful in my businesses now because of all of the things that I went through and learning to, to invest in myself, time, energy, effort, money, um, emotions, just everything, putting it on the line every day. I am successful now because of all of that throughout my hockey career. I literally think daily about the things that I'm doing that are hard or tough or whatever. And I just literally put my mindset back into all these different points throughout my career where I went through something hard. And it's like literally just like, oh, yeah, I remember when I did that. I can do this now. Okay. So whether they, they go in at 18, 19, 20, 21, okay, they're gonna be learning all these life lessons that I think are massively, massively important for them to be a successful person in the real world after hockey, no matter how long they play. So don't worry if they're going in at twenty or 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 just going after that college dream by going to junior hockey.
0: Yeah. I love that. I absolutely love that. I do want to put a little bit of a disclaimer in it because I want to talk to the the parents and, and the girls in, in this realm too, because there is no junior hockey for, for women's hockey. So most of the, most of the girls are some take PG years and stuff, but you know, you have a lot that are going in as, as true freshmen. Um, and so, uh, but I even still think it's still a marathon and it's not a sprint. Hockey development, development in anything is um, it it just it takes a long time and people develop at different rates, maturity wise, physically, maturity wise, mentally, maturity wise, emotionally, just like life stuff and things like that. And so just as everybody is focusing on their development path and, and how to get to the end of the rainbow, understand that it takes time understand that it takes a lot of effort and again focusing on the things that that you can control and i just i wanted to put out like some of the basic statistics for like the process and stuff so like junior hockey drafts typically happen after your 15 new year um so like ushl ohl um uh q um, and things like that so the phase phase one of those drafts is typically when that happens out west it's a little bit sooner. So they get drafted after their 14 new year band draft, which is a little bit crazy, I think. Um, But even still, like you look at the stats of like, you know, these draft picks and what was the stat? I, I don't want to butcher it, but I'm going to butcher it because I think it's an important one. I should have been a little bit more prepared on this one, but like Callie Larson gave me a stat. He's the GM of the Dubuque fighting state Dubuque fighting state saints. And the amount of kids that get drafted in the phase one draft after midgets in the USHL that don't end up playing a full season is insane. I'm not going to give the number because I don't want to butcher it, but like it's over 50%, over 50% of the kids that get drafted in the phase one draft of the USHL at 15 do not play a full season. Why? Because probably they get a little bit, uh, you know, well, you know, the late bloomers and the people who are focusing on the things that they control, they get passed by them. And so again, it's about development and being good. A lot of people think like getting drafted or getting the scholarship or whatever is like the end of the line. That's the beginning of the line. Go back and listen to our conversation that we had a few weeks ago with Rutger McGroarty who got drafted first round by Winnipeg. No, the work starts now after I got drafted. Like this is just like, this is nice that I got drafted, but like now the work's got to start. Right. And so um, yeah, like, so Draft years for for juniors for for the men's side uh, again just just laid those out and then just a couple of like college hockey rules so like a college cannot talk to you as a player until. January 1st of your sophomore year of high school. So your grade 10 year. So you can't have any contact. You can't contact them. They can't contact you. That's the recruiting rules. And then January 1, those recruiting conversations begin to be permitted and you can start taking unofficial visits to campus. So you can go to a school, you can talk to the coaches, see the locker room, all that kind of stuff. Uh, You cannot be offered a scholarship or you cannot take an official visit to campus until august 1st going into your grade 11 or your junior year so that's when actually verbal offers are permitted um that's when you can take official visits to campus that's when you can potentially commit to schools that's why on august 1st you know you see all these kids going into junior year of high school committing that's the first day that you can uh commit to schools right and so those are like kind of like the recruiting dates that are really important Um, but like I said, the average age of a division one player that commits to school is, is 18. Um, the average age of a division three kid that commits to school is 20. Um, the average age of a college freshman is 19 to 20 years old, closer to 20, like I said, you know, so it is like, there's, there's, there's time. And again, this is for the men's side. It's a little bit, uh, a little bit more rushed on the women's side and rush is probably the wrong word. We don't want to be talking about that when we're talking about marathon, not sprint, but it's a little bit earlier in the process for the women. Um, so yeah, I think it was just important to kind of talk about those stats. And like the last thing I want to talk about before we move on is like, Dominate your level before moving on. Don't be in such a rush to get to the next level. And, you know, I, I think there's kind of like two, two philosophies as it relates to, you know, development. Like, should I play against the older guys and, and challenge myself a little bit more? But like, there's a, there's a confidence that comes with being a top player. And, and I think that that's really important and that kind of translates from level to level. And I think like, I've seen so many kids rush to a different team or rush to a higher level before they were ready. And like those kids, a lot of times end up fizzling out um, and their passion for the game just, just drains. Like I would encourage everybody like, don't rush it, dominate before moving on. And when you do that, like I said, that confidence is a real thing. And while it is good to be challenged, I'm not denying that by any stretch of the word, but like, don't be in a rush. Play your age group, you know? Like, you don't want to go to junior hockey. Year to, I went to junior hockey a year too early and it almost killed me. <laughs> like, Same. my confidence was absolutely shattered, you know? And so, um, I just, you know, if, if you're a top player, being a top player is, is a big deal. Like it, it, it does a lot for your confidence. It does a lot for your, it's just, just like how you carry yourself and things like that. And so, um, moving on to early can crush you. And I've seen it, ha- I've seen way more kids air going early rather than marinating and going late. I don't know if I've ever seen a kid make a mistake where they didn't go early, where they stayed, where they were supposed to be.
1: Right. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense,
0: actually. Marinating. Good work. Marinating. You (laughs) got (laughs) to marinate. Okay. So anything else to add before I move on? No, no. Okay. I just thought it would be good to kind of talk about, right. It's a marathon. It's, it's not a sprint. Okay. So the next thing we're going to talk about here is I'm going to take you inside, inside the glass here, inside the coach's room of a, of a recruiter's process. And so with that, uh, we'll talk about kind of like what we do as scouts or what we do, particularly as college coaches, as we are thinking about the recruiting process on, on our side. And I think that would be a great perspective for people to kind of like, um, see that side of it, you know what I mean? So, um, first thing we're going to talk about, like in our process, (laughs) what I like to tell people is like 90% of our job in evaluating you is done before I even see you play. So like we spend so much time on the phone, so much time texting, so much time on email trying to gather information. So we know when we go into a rink, what we're looking for and what we're looking at. We've already talked to a ton of different people in the area of the place that you're playing. We've already talked to probably your coach. If you have an advisor, we potentially talk to your advisor. We've talked to other people that, that potentially know. So like a lot of what we do is just information gathering so we're not wasting our time when we go to a rink. That was particularly important for me as an Ivy League coach at Cornell because like we wanted to get the academics beforehand so we knew the players that we could potentially get into school right and so um we weren't watching everybody now we can narrow in on on just a couple players and so very rarely is any coach whether that's junior college or pro going into a game being like okay i wonder what i'm gonna see today no there's like players that we already know that we're gonna key on that we're gonna watch with a hawk's eye now that doesn't mean people can't catch our eye you know and and people can't stand out but at the end of the day like people at this level are are typically really good at what they do and they understand what they're getting into when they go into watch a game. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. hundred percent. I mean, I've, I've told the story on
1: the podcast before guys where, and I was actually telling a kid this um, recently for a, for a mentorship call, you know, like I literally w- cut off. I'm, I think how many D one teams are there now? 60, 62. 62. So when we played college hockey it was fifty-five or something?
0: Yeah. F- Maybe between fifty-five and sixty. Yeah.
1: All right. So, like what we'll just say fifty-five for for shits and giggies here. Um, I cut myself off from probably like 10 to 12 schools because I had good grades and I thought they were good enough, being naive that okay, I can go to any school. Um, but Dartmouth at a, at a meeting with Dartmouth after a game where I snizzed two in the USHL on Kevin Regan, not a big deal. I hope somebody tells him that I talk about snizzing him because he was my roommate, my first year pro. Um, but he was a goalie for Waterloo, absolutely snizzed back bar, not a big deal in Waterloo and, uh, walk into, uh, the room coach said, Hey, go in there. School wants to talk to you and first words out of Dartmouth's mouth pretty sure you can't get in with your test scores and your gpa but if you can uh we'll be in contact i never heard from them again or any other ivy league school because i'm sure the word was out that my grades weren't up to par weren't good enough for me to get into the ivies so right away i went from let's call it 55 schools that i could have played for and went to down to like 45 maybe and that's a that's a big chunk so like just by me
0: and by the and, way and it wasn't it's it wasn't the lo- Ivies. It's not yeah, like it's I mean it's a like ton you, of you schools. Think of like all like Michigan, Boston College, Notre Dame, like right. like Colorado College, BU, like these are these are high academic schools. And right. so the better your grades are, like the last thing we want to do as college coaches is have a fight with admissions, <laughs> you know, to like to get somebody in because their grades aren't up to snuff. And yeah, so it's um That like the more, the better your grades are, the more opportunity you're going to give yourself to play college hockey, particularly based on the amount of schools that you're going to be able to get into. So that's like a great point, a great point. Like you want more opportunity to play at this level and at the division three level too, because there's a lot of really good academic division three schools. Like your grades matter, man. Your grades absolutely matter
1: they do and guys you want to give yourself the most opportunities that you possibly can have available to get that cookie to get that scholarship or that spot on the team and and it wasn't a lack of uh knowledge on my part i had a 4.0 when i left for junior hockey and when i got there i let i let my grades slip to i think like a 3.38 Um, you know, for me, like good, but like, it wasn't, it wasn't what I should have kept them at. And because I wasn't doing what Tope said in the beginning of this podcast, be the best you can be control what you could control. I let my grades slip. looking back. I know I let them slip. School was always easy for me. I could have easily gotten a 4.0 and I didn't do that work. I allowed them to slip and it cut my chances off by like, I don't know what those percentages are. Tope went to Cornell, not me, but probably like 8% of schools I immediately got wrote off from or 10% of schools just because I, I, I didn't uphold my end of the bargain of being the best I could be in the classroom.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. There was nothing worse than being like, Oh, I love that player, but can't get him in. I hate that. It was the worst. Um, Yeah. And so, yeah, when we're doing our information gathering, like I said, like so much of our job is done before I've even watched you play a game. And so like what what are we asking? Like what what are your grades? You know, that's the first question we're asking. Number two, like what kind of teammate are they? You know, are they a leader? Um, <laughs> we can't can never have enough captains, right? Like want to recruit captains, want to recruit assistant captains, want to recruit people who are coachable who when we talk to the coach, they're absolutely glowing about that guy. Um, so like what kind of teammate are they? Uh, what kind of person are they? Another one, this is a big one, and, and I'm talking to the parents here. What's the family like? That's a big deal. That is a question that we ask all the time. Because at the end of the day, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And at the end of the day, like parents can still have an effect, even though the parents aren't talking to the college coaches like they do in youth hockey, they can still have a completely huge negative effect if the player's going through something and they're making excuses for them or blaming the coach or whatever in their conversations with their kid at the college level. So um, we're, we're asking what the family is like, you know, like that stuff is really important. Um, What your coach says about you is huge especially if that coach is someone that we trust. And now I'm going to talk to like the coaches out there, like the youth coaches, midget coaches, and, and, you know, maybe junior coaches, like don't lie to us. Do not lie to us because if you lie to us about a player, because you want them to get to the next level, all that's doing is it's hurting your credibility and it's hurting every other kid that you coach in the future, because now I'm not going to trust what you say. So if I go to you and you're telling me how this kid is amazing and he's a great kid and the family's awesome and this and that, and then we find out through our conversations with other people or meeting the family or watching the kid play and he's lazy when you told me he's got a great work ethic, like I don't trust you anymore. And so I'm not going to go to you like about players because I don't know what I'm going to get because the last thing I need is to bring somebody who I think is a hard worker to my head coach and to to commit them to our program and then find out <laughs> you know that they're not and they weren't as advertised and so um just make sure you're being honest in your evaluations of players and their play and their character and what their families are like um it's 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 a huge, huge deal in kids. like we really listen. the guys that we trust, like I've taken players not solely on what a coach says, but that holds a lot of weight, a lot of weight. Like if there's a coach that I've trust that has developed a lot of players and has been honest with me on the process on all of those players and they they glow about a kid, that's a big deal. That's a really big deal. And so, because they're with you every day, you know, we're, we're coming in, in, in snapshots to watch you play. And, and, you know, sometimes we'll get a chance to watch you practice, but not all the time. I, I wish like, you know, as, as a college recruiter or scout, like you would be able to watch more practices because that's where, you know, if the kid's going to work hard and stuff. Um, so like, what your coach says about you, especially if we trust that coach, that, that means a lot. What do other people say about you? Like there are, there are coaches that will go in and, and speak to the marketing interns and they'll speak to the people who drive the Zamboni and they'll speak to, you know, your teachers, your guidance counselors and stuff like that. They're trying to find as much information as they can on you. And so like, if you're, if you put on this front, like I'm a good dude in the locker room and at the rink, but you're not away from it, we'll know. I guarantee you will know the good ones will know.
1: <laughs> Even the bad ones, hundred percent of the time coaches at those next levels, they will find out. Yeah. They will find out what type of person uh, uh, you are in the locker room with your teammates, uh, family, you know, all that friends, all that type of stuff. They will find out. And you got to think about this too, guys. Like, Maybe the coach you're playing for now in and, and, and midget hockey and amateur hockey, maybe they're a volunteer, maybe they're making a little bit of money. Coaches at the college level might be making you know hundreds and hundreds of thousands. They might be on a contract worth a million or millions. That is how they feed their family. They are going to do... would say millions, but... Well, my casing's on a mil- millions millions contract, isn't he?
0: Really? Probably. believe like so. And a lifetime, I've at,
1: yeah, but the contract's worth millions. Got it. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That
1: makes sense. Um, that is- they are not going to risk bringing in a shithead, right? No. Like, they're not going to risk millions of dollars just because you're good at hockey. Because there's a lot of good hockey players out there. They want the full package, especially if they're giving you money. And like Tove said, like, coaches aren't going to lie for you. Because then those, those college coaches or those college scouts, scouts or, or professional or junior or whoever, they'll never listen to your coach again when they recommend a player. So your coach has to be honest with you. Guys, in the summer, I have NHL teams calling me weekly leading up to the draft about players that I train, wanting to know everything about them work ethic. Are they on time? How do they treat the guys in the room? Are they an energy giver? Are, the, are they quiet? What do their peers think about them? Are they funny? Are they a nerd? I had one college coach reach out and be like, is this kid a nerd? <laughs> he's like, I don't know if he's going to fit in the locker room. I was like, oh no, he's just shy when you first meet him. But I literally have to tell the truth to all of these coaches that call me. Um, and what I tell them is based off of how you show up every day. So again, that goes back to what Toast said, number one, control what you can control and be the best you can. So I literally tell my guys to start the summer, every summer when they're back in the gym with me, guys, I'm going to have teams calling about all you guys. I tell them whatever I see in here, whatever I see from you is what I tell them. I cannot lie to them or else they'll never trust me again on any player I ever work with again. So whatever
0: you are hoping that I tell them, show me that it's up to you. Love it. Absolutely love it. Right. And so, yeah, I think, I I think it's really important to understand, you know, for the players, I think it's just great perspective to see what happens behind the curtain. Right. And, and in the recruiting process, in our information gathering, again, like most of our work is done before seeing you play, you know, our networks are huge. Our networks are absolutely huge. Like if you play in whatever city, I know multiple people, multiple, multiple people in those cities, you know, or in the league that you play in or whatever it may be that I can call to, 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 to find out about your hockey playing ability, to find out about your family, to find out about how, who you are as a kid and things like that. What are your grades? You know, what kind of teammate are you? What's the family? Like, those are stuff that like, you know, like, what does the coach say about you? Like all of that stuff is done before I even watch you play. (laughs) <laughs> if, if you're a good coach or a good scout or a recruiter. Right. And so, um, yeah, I think that that's just, just so massively important. So any other, yeah. any, anything else you think I missed in terms of like what the process is like and like in the process, like maybe I should just sit like, so typically, you know, we're going to find out this information, then we're going to watch you play. If we like you, we'll reach out to you um, you know, usually you want to get somebody in on a visit, you're, you're basically forming a relationship, right? You're forming a relationship with that kid. You're forming a relationship with that family. And, you know, because it's got to be a fit on both sides, it, it's got to be a fit on both sides. And a lot of the recruiting process is just building relationships. You know, do you trust the kid in the family and does the kid and the family trust you with, with the next four years of, of their life? Right. And so just, uh, yeah, information gathering and then building relationships and watching you play. And, and ultimately, end, at the end of the day, if it's a fit on both sides, then a scholarship offer is is given or a, a spot on the team is given if there's no scholarships. And, and then you kind of go from there. But yeah, just giving a perspective on what happens on the other side, I think is is good. And then, you know, with that, after the information gathering, what are we looking for? What are we looking for in a player when we go out and we actually watch you play? We've, we've figured out that you're a good kid. Your coach loves you. You got a great family. You got the grades and all that kind of stuff. Um, What are we looking for on the ice? And so really at the end of the day, if you want to keep it really, really simple for players, we're looking at your hockey sense and ability to make plays. We're looking at your skill and we're looking at your competitiveness those are at the end of the day are the three big ones in the most simplistic of forms. Now, coaches are different on how they evaluate those kinds of things. There will be some coaches who, you know, just kind of use the eye test and have been doing it for a while and feel like they, you know, can, can watch you if, and for a game or two games, three, whatever it may be, and and have you kind of figured out as a player. There's other coaches that, literally like take stats during games. Like when I was scouting, I would always, if you made a, a hockey sense play or you were involved in a scoring chance, you were getting tick mark, you were getting a plus mark. You know, if you were involved in something defensively where you messed up, you were getting a minus mark. If you know, you had bad body language, I was going to put that on there. Like just kind of watching almost, especially if you can zone in on, on one person that you were watching and, and really kind of, almost trying to get some data from, from watching too. Um, you know, do you win your battles? If you lose a battle or you lose a race, you're getting a minus. If you win a battle or you win a race, you're getting a plus. If you're involved in a scoring chance for or against you're getting a plus or a minus. Um, you know, I think those things are all really important for goalies too. I, I think it's important to talk like about the goalies as well. A lot of times when people are, are scouting goalies, they're looking at your hockey sense first. They're looking at your skating like how good of a skater are you and they're looking at your competitiveness and, and your passion for for the game too. And so I think it's important to, to have a little bit of a disclaimer like compete level doesn't mean you're all over the place <laughs> and, and going crazy because then your hockey sense probably isn't very good if you're having to make all these acrobatic crazy saves. Um if you can read a play and you can skate those are huge. Like getting the spots and then the spots hitting you in the chest like that's that's ultimately the best thing is as a coach, when you're watching goalies is a lot of pucks are hitting their chest and there's not a lot of second chances from it. And so just on ice scouting, I don't know. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah. I mean, it it makes perfect sense. Did you ever scout goalies as you were? Yeah. When you were scouting. Yeah. I did, mean, you, what, what, did, did, did you? Did you like have ever talk to goal- team or what? Well, no, I didn't know
0: if they had like a specific goalie scout that did some, all some of teams do your now, guys. Especially now that there's a third assistant in in college yeah. at the Division one level, you'll probably have somebody that's like a little bit more of a, you know, goalie specific, um, coach. But yeah, I mean, we would, yeah, we would, we would scout goalies. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I just didn't know. Because uh I, I didn't know like if you had help with what to look at as a scout for looking at goalies, just because it's so different than a than a player, you know? Like I, I remember one goalie that that I worked with before and he made so many acrobatic saves and it was amazing. But then like when you zoom out, it's like, well, why does he always have to make acrobatic saves? <laughs> he's it's out of position. Because he's <laughs> out of position all the time. And at the yeah. next level, if you're out of position, you're not gonna be able to make all those acrobatic saves all the time. The guys, shooters are better. They have quick releases. They can, you know, pinpoint
0: their accuracy way more. So it's like, that's actually a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. At the end of the day, if you're stopping the puck, you're stopping the puck too. Right. But yes, we, we have much more comfortability and confidence with goalies that, um, it hits them in the chest and there's not a lot of <laughs> second chance opportunities for sure. Right. Um, you know, so other things that we're looking for, what, what situations is your coach playing you in? Is your coach playing you on the power play? Is your coach playing you on the penalty kill? Are you out there on four and four situations? Are you out there at the end of the game, six on five or five on six? Um, you know, are you taking important face-offs? Things like that we're, we're looking at. I think a big one is, do you have a B game? And what I mean by a B game, that's your sandpaper game. So if you're a skilled hockey player, like the higher level that you go, you know, the more you're going to have to rely sometimes on competitiveness and, and your quote unquote B game, the A game is the skill game, um, because you're not going to have your A game every game. You're just not, I had a coach in junior hockey tell me 20% of the games you're going to play are going to be amazing. And you're going to feel like you're at your best 20% of your games. You're going to be awful and you're going to be terrible. And then that other 60% in the middle That's, that's where you make your money. Like that's where, and at the end of the day, like if you have a B game, if your offense isn't there, but you are working your bag off and you're blocking shots and you're, you know, doing all the little intangible things that help hockey teams win, we'll at least give you another shot and come back and see you play. If we heard you had an unbelievable a game, or we might recruit you because that's the kind of player we need for the role that we're trying to fill too, is we need a, a, you know, a bottom six player or, you know, a six, seven defenseman who's going to come in and do the dirty work like that. That might be what we're looking for in, in somebody. So, um, and again, a lot of this dude, a lot of the recruiting, scouting process, um, what night am I in the building when you're playing are you, are, are, are you in the 20% of this is my best game? <laughs> are you in the 20% of this is my worst game? Are you somewhere in between? And at the end of the day, if you're not at your best, but you're still freaking working and you're still doing the things necessary to help your team win, we're going to stick with you. If you don't have your A game, but you got terrible body language and you're not working hard and you're, beat, you're losing battles and things like that, we'll write you off, man. Like that's, you know that that's it so i think just like having that b game as you play just making sure you're working hard and winning your battles like it goes a long way especially if you're not playing at your best um and just like are you engaged like are you engaged like i will look when you get back to the bench and if your coach is trying to coach you and you're not looking at them or you're having bad body language like that's a red flag that's a huge red flag like if you're lazy on your line changes, getting back to the bench, like that's a red flag. Like, are you excited when your team scores, you know, are you getting up when your team block shots? Like there will, there will be coaches that will sit right behind the bench just to see what you're like on the bench. And so, you know, those little intangible things are of just like being engaged, being a good teammate being a good hockey player, like being like a hockey, hockey nerd, which is what you called it, which I don't think is a bad thing. Um, you know, like. That stuff goes a long way for coaches, your B game. And just like, do you remember, it was one of our first podcast episodes. We did it with George Guazdecki, who is the Hall of Fame coach that won national championships at Denver. He talked about recruiting Rod Brindamore back in the day, you know? And what did he say? He said he was so excited because Rod Brindamore, uh, Guaz was coaching at Michigan State at the time and, and Brindamore ended up going to Michigan State. But like he, Brindamore was more excited when his teammates scored than when he scored. And Guaz sitting up in the stands was like, I need that kid. Like yeah. That's that's really, really cool because you're not just building talented teams. You're building a team that needs to have a culture to, to be a championship culture. And it's not about always just the right players, but it's the right people too. And so having people like that helps you win. And that's a big part of the recruiting process is what are the intangible things?
1: I love it, man. And I'm just like... That's I just got like goosebumps because I'm thinking about, you know, we always talk about you will become like the five people you surround yourself most with. And like the people that I surround myself with the most are all people that when they win, I'm so happy for them. And when 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 I win, they're so happy for me. Right. You yeah. know, and, and it's it's so true, man. Like those are the those are the teams you want to be on. So guess what? When people are scouting to make teams, that's who they're picking.
0: <laughs> yes we are absolutely absolutely so anything else as it relates to like on ice stuff and when we're in the rink watching oh did, no, did I miss i'm good anything? no golden <laughs> all right cool uh okay the last thing uh that i want to talk about is again i get this question all the time like what can i do or what can my kid do to put themselves on the radar um, can we reach out to teams? Is it important to reach out to teams? Like what, what can we do? And my answer to that is yes, there are certain things that you can do. First of all, I think it's important to talk about the fact that like the recruiting process is a two way street. And so I think it's important for kids to research what they want in a school. Um, some kids want to go to school. That's a big school, like a big 10 school with, you know, tens of thousands of people. Some people would rather be at a small school. Do you want to be in a big city? Um, you know, like for us and like like recruiting against Harvard all the time, you know, kids who wanted to be in a big city, a lot of times chose Harvard. A lot of times the kids that want to be in a, in a college town or smaller town chose Cornell (laughs) and and Ithaca, you know? So like school size, that's important is city or college town. That's important. Does like, what do you want to study in school? What's your academic major? You know, that, that's something to, to research, like, do these specific schools have that do your research on teams, roster sizes and do your research on teams, commitment histories. You know, is this a team that is known for committing a lot of kids and then decommitting kids, or is this a team that, you know, only recruits a certain amount of players and they don't get into that racket. Uh, Now that the transfer rule is happening, like do teams bring in a lot of transfers, you know, and, and kids end up going to other schools and transfer out. Um, You know, those are all things like what do you want in a program? Do you want to play at a school that sells out every night? Is that important to you? Um, The style of play of the coaches and and the different schools that are interested in the area that you want to go to, Um, like, do your own research first. Don't fly blind and just say, I'm going to take the first thing that comes my way, which I feel like is what a lot of kids do, um, because it might not be the right fit. And so do some research on the different schools, um, you know, first before getting into the process. And then once you've kind of done that at the beginning of the day, like if you haven't been recruited yet, then you want, you want to be on people's radars. Absolutely. You can do that, whether it's junior teams, uh, or, or college teams, I would say typically find out if it's a junior team, like who's the GM don't email the head coach. Um, if it's a college team, email the assistant coaches. Don't email the head coach. And when you email, again, email is best. I, typically, you don't want to call because that's just just email. Um, and when you email people, make it short and sweet. Bullet point stuff, Uh, You know, hi, my name is Jeff Levecchio. I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. I'm playing for the St. Louis Junior Blues. Uh, Here's my stats for this year. Here's a couple tournaments that I'm going to be at in, uh, you know, in the next two months. Um, I really want to be a part of your program. If you could come and see me play, that would be great. Just again, like Bullet point short and sweet. Here's my coach. Here's his phone number. Here's a few of the other people that know me that have some respect in the business and their phone number who can vouch for me or tell you a little bit something about me. And so like just those things are are um good. And I actually I wrote like a because I've given this presentation before to to different teams. I wrote a mock email that I would like to read right now. Oh, I would like to hear that. Okay. Um this is from Wayne Gretzky. Okay. Wayne Gretzky is, is the person who would like to be recruited. Who's Wayne Gretzky? (laughs) The great one. Uh, anyway, so college coach on the, uh, the title line interest in your program. And then it's dear coach X. My name is Wayne Gretzky and I'm really interested in your hockey program. I think it'd be a great fit for me, both for my hockey career and academically. Here's some information about me. Wayne Gretzky, I play for the Brantford 99ers minor midget program. Here's my birth date. Here's my stats for this year. People that can provide information on me. My head coach is Scotty Bowman. His email is scottybowman at gmail.com. Uh, the assistant coach is Craig Barube. His email is chief at stlblues.com. My advisor is Jerry McGuire. His email is showmethemoney at gmail.com. And my former coach is... Jeff LeVecchio at Lavecchio at gmail.com uh here are my upcoming games and showcases that i'm going to play at thank you for your time and consideration if you need more information please let me know best of luck with your season awesome wayne great email right it's a pretty good email like if you're writing a five paragraph essay about all of your attributes like we're we're just it's not going to get read <laughs> it's, I'm sorry, it's, just, it's not going to get read, you know, so just keeping it short and sweet. And then what we do on our end is we have these big scouting softwares and we'll go to your name and we'll, we'll click you off. And then the next time we're at a rink and your team is playing, boom, there's a little tick next to you that you're interested in our program. And we'll probably watch you a little bit closer than we typically would. And so, um, yeah, that's, I think that's, you can absolutely reach out again, do it by email, um, make it short and sweet. And yeah, just list a lot of references that you have of people that know you, because at the end of the day, that's how we can find out some more about you and goes a long way. What do you, what are your thoughts?
1: And be proactive. Like Toph and I always say, you don't want to look back and have regrets and be like, who knows what would have happened if I would have emailed all the teams I was interested in guys, me as a current pro athlete years ago, I really wanted to play in Japan. Um, You know, I was making pretty good money in Europe but I knew Japan only had three imports on every team, which meant they were paying a lot more money. And I knew the salaries over there and it was really good money. So I reached out to them. I sent them an email, I found their email through this, uh, um, you know, it's like a pro hockey, like Facebook type of thing. And I sent them an email and just said, hey, guys, I'm, I'm really interested in playing um, for your team. Um, if you have any interest, you know, let me know. And they, they sent me an email back and said, Hey, Jeff, uh, you know, we've already signed our three imports for this season, but we'll keep tabs on you. And I wound up signing with them either a year or two later. Um, and playing in Japan was one of the best experiences in my entire hockey career. Um, it was one of the best worldly experiences. Uh, I'm a much better coach from having to play in Japan. Um, and, and it was the most money I made in my career, other than my first couple of years under NHL contract and having signing bonuses. So, like literally, if I don't send that email, I don't know if I get all of those experiences and all that money, you know. So, me as a current pro athlete, I wasn't afraid to reach out and, and you know, put myself out there. You never know what good could come. And when I tell players who are asking, should I email teams? And I say absolutely yes, what's the worst that could happen? They don't answer you. What's the best that could happen?
0: I made a couple hundred G's what's up, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> send the email guys. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with reaching out to people. That's, that's for sure. And, um, again, there's a way to do it, but yeah, there's no shame in being proactive and, and getting your name out there, even if the interest isn't going to be right away, which it probably won't. Um, you've done something and you've put your name out there. And like I said, we have these big expensive in college. Most teams have these big expensive, you know, recruiting softwares that we enter names in all the time. And, and it's called RinkNet, and it's phenomenal. And everybody that plays everywhere is in there. And so we'll just go to your name and we'll click, um, you know, we'll click that you're interested in us. And then boom, later on down the road, we might see you and you have some interest in us and, We'll watch you a little closer. Boom. Love it. (laughs) Boom goes the dynamite. Okay. So guys, I'm going to be completely honest with you right now. We're gonna slice and dice and edit this thing, but I think we've lost internet close to fifteen times as we were doing <laughs> this. So it's gonna sound good, but this has been an absolute grind of an episode. So we're gonna end it. We've <laughs> been battling, guys. This has we've been, been a- battling. Talk about resiliency. We are resilient individuals right now, and the fact that we're e- we even went and like finished this thing is insane. We we talked about doing it in another day, but we're like, no, we're going to power through. We're going to power through. We're going to power through. And uh, I will raise my hand and take full accountability. It is my internet that is going in and out right now. My wife is downstairs and she's got meetings and her internet's going in and out and stuff too. So, um, Hey, we love you. Absolutely love you. Vex, any final thoughts? Share the show, peeps. We love you guys. Keep spreading that love. Yeah, hopefully hopefully you guys got something out of this here. And uh, yeah, we appreciate you. Adios, amigos.